to the Debris Podcast. Keep it locked, keep it right here. For this podcast, we're super proud and super excited to have a marvelous artist all the way from Vancouver, Canada, someone that we truly admire and respect, uh, the one and only Renee Foster. Can you tell me if I pronounce that correctly, Renee Foster? Yeah, that's right. Right, right. Hey, we're super happy to have you over on this Thank podcast. You. We've been pushing, you know, just for the love of music and we just wanted to have you. How are you doing today, my friend? Great. I'm doing great, man. I'm doing really well. Yeah. I'm uh, enjoying uh, another day in um, my studio with my family around me upstairs and whatnot. You're yeah. located in Vancouver, right? Yes. Vancouver, Canada. Nice. Yeah. I was just sure, by the way, hello, everybody. This is Val. Hello. I'm checking in. I'm uh, super excited as well for this uh, opportunity you're giving us to, to talk to you. As I was saying, I, I wasn't sure if you were in Victoria or in Vancouver. Uh, uh, I was born you. in Victoria. Victoria is right. my hometown, but okay. I, haven't, I haven't lived there in quite a while. I, uh, I was born in Victoria and started making music and DJing and stuff in Victoria, but then uh, I relocated to Toronto where my kids were born and then uh, also Tokyo where I lived for 10 years and then uh, now I live in Vancouver and I've been here since 2011 so uh, I haven't lived in Victoria for quite a while in my hometown but that's where I'm originally from okay I see I wasn't tripping then no. Beautiful. And, and do you speak Japanese? I'm, I'm sure you do, probably. No, a little bit. I, you know, I, I'm I'm okay at it. My kids are fluent at it, though. Oh, and they, really? They, yeah, they did all their elementary school in the public uh, school system in Japan, so they um, they're fluent in Japanese, reading and writing. Fantastic. Was was family? I I can get by. I can get my point across. You know. But uh, Tokyo is pretty international, like compared to the rest of Japan, and uh, especially in the music world, you know, people speak English there, so I mostly spoke English. That, that's great. I kind of wanted to go way back uh, before that, though, uh, okay. with your story. I wanted to start because um, I read that you started um, also doing hip hop or something uh, along those lines. Yeah, yeah, like, um, right. actually in Canada, a lot of people know me for a group I was in called Sound Advice. It's Sound a, Advice? Yeah, it's a it's cool. actually a subject more, um, of a documentary right now being made in Canada of early rap groups oh, wow. uh, from the 80s. That um, And that's how my start in music came through that, right? Sort of like and a b-boy. Oh yeah, I, I am a b-boy. I was a b-boy. I break danced. That's how I started into music was as a dancer, actually. And uh, and um, still rock it. Can you still kick some moves? Uh, well, I, yeah, no, definitely I can, but uh, I will hurt myself. So <laughs> I, 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 I can identify yeah. with that. I still dance, but back in the day, I used to slide on my head and you know do all kinds of crazy shit. I don't do that now, but I, I, I wow. I, I had a lifetime opportunity to grow up in New York and and, and in New York, in pretty much yeah. in 
especially yeah, in Manhattan, you, know. you will see a lot of people break dancing all over the place. Magnificent, just beautiful dancing, man. It That's right. It's part of, uh, you know, it's part of culture. So I've been into that since 1982. That's that's where I started, or 83, I should say. 83? Yeah, a guy named uh, Rod Mack, DJ Rod Mack. He, uh, he still yeah. DJs now, and he's a really uh, mentor of mine. And he he's the one who showed me, he was my breakdance teacher in 1983. And he showed me a lot of good music. He showed me my first set of turntables I'd seen and what DJing was about. And, you know, he'd give me tapes to practice breakdancing to. And I said, man, how do you make these beats go together? How does all this music go together like this? And then he said, look at these two turntables. That's, that's how. And I said, that's for me. How did you get started DJing? I mean, you went, like, I ask you this because a lot of us, I include myself, I, I originally started getting into DJing, but my main idea was not getting behind the booth. My main idea was doing something else. But little by little, I stepped up to the booth. How did you get started? Um, well, DJing for me, you know, when I was young, I was taught, or I thought, like a b-boy thinks so for me dancing music visual art fashion and other ways of expression mm. were all part of a kind of a mm -hmm. part of a lifestyle Thank that, I, that i that i saw myself as an artist of this lifestyle you know mm. so these things were never separated for me like I I just did what I could with what I had because I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't come from a wealthy background. You know, my parents, like many people, my parents were divorced. My dad wasn't around. And I was, you know, my mom worked hard to support uh, two boys. Um, and, you know, I didn't finish high school. And uh, I was... You know, like like a lot of uh, a, lot, a lot of other Canadian people, but it doesn't matter. It's okay. I uh, I I was one of those people that used music and art uh, to to stay away from more nefarious things. You know what I mean? In my life, although those things crept in sometimes too, but always the importance of the artwork won out for me. So it guided my life to a good place where I am now, instead of, um, you know, in a, a You also draw, dark. right? You also tag? You also know yes, how to... Yes, uh, yes, yes. I've, I know I've been arrested and locked up for it many times, even in California. I was, wow. I was locked up for uh, graffiti. And, uh, you know, I, that was a huge part of my life. I, I never do anything halfway. So, you know, everything for me is doing it for real every time. I don't do anything just to fuck around or fake it. So uh, when mm. I was young, uh, when I was very young, it started with the break dancing and, uh, you know, then the graffiti came next. Uh, the beat, the music was always there driving it, right? right. I, I, would, I wasn't thinking of myself as a music creator, but I was always... Uh, taking all the songs I liked and putting them on tapes and making mixtapes like uh, and getting quite creative with the pause button as you know many people do right and collecting <laughs> uh, st and stereo equipment wherever I could and you know these kind of things my first DJ setup came from uh, thrift stores you know like and uh, my my uh, 
and and our our when we started our rap group, that was my homie T Double, and our first uh, set of you know he was the first homie that I had that had his own turntables, and it blew me away. Uh, he, they were from a thrift store, and he had stole stolen a Radio Shack mixer, you know. And we had WD40 in the crossfader there to get right. a good scratch, and he had a. And he had a penny uh, taped on the needle to keep it weighted down while he scratched. Right. Only one of the turntables had a pitch control. So he would mix with one and then scratch with the other, you know. And uh, eventually he got himself 1200s about a year later as we got more serious, some used 12s. But we, you know, we uh, we would do shows with those turntables. You know, we, we were... Uh, I just did whatever I could at the moment. Like, let's make that a rap group. Let's do this. Let's do that. But the problem is that as I went down that path, all my friends and as hip hop culture kind of progressed into something really like, this is hip hop. It started to be like, this is hip hop, right? right. And it didn't include dance music. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because you know, for me, all my favorite stuff was the what the dance music part of hip hop, the parties, the uh, I loved all the hip house stuff. You know, the beginning of hip house stuff. Mm -hmm. I was a huge fan of you know Todd Terry and Shep Pettibone and uh, Jelly Bean and like these guys who were. Uh, you know, it was dope. I remember. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, you know, and all the electro coming out of Detroit that was like total people and shit, like right. Juan Akin, right. Cybertron and stuff. Like, I just didn't see a separation in any of this stuff that my my friends that were into Black Moon and, and uh, you know, uh, Brand Nubian or whatever, they weren't trying to feel those, uh, the house music, right? Mm -hmm. So what would happen is after the rap shows, right? My homie T Double, he did do some DJing, and they're you know he'd throw down the latest hip hop stuff, and and uh, you know, but after that, at the end, I would DJ, and I would collect really weird records, like I would collect, uh, you know, stuff like the people would sample, like uh, like if I would hear stuff that had been sampled, I would buy it, like old rare groove we used to call that kind of music back then, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like down tempo, acid jazz kind of stuff. Anything with good beats in it, I would get it. And so, and I didn't care if it had rap on it or not, you know? And that included house music. I had tons, I would look for good house music and I'd play the house music. And sometimes when I would play house music, people would get upset at me. They would like spit on me even. And really? you know, they didn't expect me to be doing that because I was like a rapper, and you know? So wow. I started to really kind of like get kind of like what I can't be. I do art to be myself, okay? Right. So if I can't be myself, then this what we're doing is not for me. So I went to Japan and had four months by myself in 1993, I think. And uh, I just, I did this little work exchange thing where I went and worked at a hotel in Japan for four months. And I was just spent some time by myself. And they had turntables in the basement. They had a club that was closed down and had some like old 70s turntables in there. And I, I bought some records from the local record store in the mountain town I was in, played those records. 
And, you know, I just decided, fuck it, when I get back to my hometown, I don't really feel I need to rap very much anymore. Like, people rap already, like, you know? There's already people being very serious about rapping. And uh, I feel very into dance music and making people dance. And I just, that was when I was like 21, okay? And at that time, mm. I took the money that I got from the from that work experience and out of the back of a magazine that I had from New York, like Rap Pages or The Source or something, I ordered a set of turntables from a record from a store in New York. And they were like gem, Geminis, but they weren't Geminis, they were like linear tech brand, but just like, you know, all-in-one mixer, two turntables system that was better than my thrift store system that was just stuff I'd patched together. And it was from then on that I said, Ooh. DJing is what I do. I'm, I'm DJ, that's my craft, that's my art form. So I, I feel like I had to go through the dancing, the rapping, the graffiti, right. the other things, the fine arts and the different things that I did to get to the place of DJing. And all that time I was learning how to make music too because my rap group made beats, you know, with, uh, with sometimes gear we would rent or go to a studio or try to make loops and stuff. So I was learning about that in the background and I took that to the house music thing, started putting out my underground confusion tapes from uh, the, about 1994 and I haven't stopped releasing house music since then. Wow. How, how, all, all, all of these years, um, I, I mean, I, I, I know and I love a lot of music of yours, actually. Thank But you, man. I want to I, I really get into how did Devil's Water came about? Like, I always wonder, how, what were you thinking when that record came about? It was, it's just a monstrous record. I mean, Thank you, bro. Yeah. I made yeah. it pretty quick, actually. I made it pretty fast. In, uh, I was living in a place called Hachioji Minamino in, in uh, Tokyo. So you kind of a suburb of Tokyo, yeah. And uh, um, I rented quite a lot of movies. So I was watching a, uh, a movie I rented. It was a really terrible movie called uh, Perfect Strangers. Perfect Stranger with uh, Holly Berry in it. There were, there's a song playing, and I had a, uh, I had a digital recorder, a mini-disc recorder at the time, hooked up to my TV so I could record samples and things that I heard because I was always ready to record samples. You know, my samples don't come from like sample packs and stuff. I actually sample things like, oh, that's something I learned from like the making hip hop beats. Like all my things, you know, I'm looking for interesting things in other places that I can make into my own things, you know? So right. anyways, sometimes on TV or movies, I hear that. So there was this song, right? And it was, you know, it was the song, uh, Troubled Water by Cat Power. And that's, oh. yeah, I didn't know that at the time. It was just in the movie, wow. right? So, but I sampled that and then chopped it up a little bit, did my thing. And I made the main part of Devil's Water in about four hours. Although I added that awesome bass line later. Is that a Moog or what was that? No, was man, that that's, uh, that's in Reason. That's the subtractor. Oh, and wow. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's the initial sound. It's the sound when you, and that pops up when there's no other sound, okay? And uh, you know the initial sound, the initial, the, uh, the the stock sound that when you load Subtractor is if you go down far enough on the keyboard, 
is that with just some tweaking to it. I just did some wow. tweaking, like, you know, folded down the cutoff and the boosted the resonance. And, but that's, that's raw some, subtractor, that baseline. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. the, the simplest of things makes the, the yeah. whole track sometimes, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's crazy. That's right. And some, sometimes it's not even that. It's sometimes a mistake. You hit something, yeah. you hit right. something and you right. get a crazy right. sound and you're just like, whoa, this is what that's I was right. looking for. That's right. That man. is a great record and everybody, until yeah. today, still talks yeah, about yeah. Devil's Water. It just, yeah, man, I, I hear about it all the time. People are always, you know, uh, saying to me how much they love it. And, you know, uh, I've had some really, really nice things said to me about it. And, and people are still remixing it. And there's so many bootleg remixes of it. Uh, it never dies, you know? Mind you, that's how I got to know you, by the way, on uh, oh, really? James, Holden, James Holden playing it live. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? I actually heard it on um, uh, John Digwood's uh, radio show. Well, Renaissance I, or something, I, but I that's when I heard it first, and, and it was a big deal to look for it because back then there was no Shazam, there was nothing, so right. I was like, Yeah, 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 went yeah. On, on blogs and try to oh, minute 30, you know, I, I don't well, even remember, track, but I, track I ID, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what do you what is your view on because this takes me to a question that, a I, that I had prepared for you, okay? Um, is that when when we compare things because of course uh, social media and the internet is the way of today and it's not going nowhere so going against that will be um disingenuous right however there there is something to say in um regards to the way djs got developed and put in place before as opposed to how it is today that um, I don't know, I see there is more, um, like if you're good with social media and you know how to raise your follows and your likes, you might not be very, um, you might not have the crazy, the, the most obscure taste or, the, the, or, or something unique, but, be, but because you know how to uh, tame technology of today. Um, but this is not to say that there aren't really talented people that are really skillful at also doing all these things, but I wanted to know to get your, your insight or your perspective on this? Well, I think um, I understand what you're talking about. And throughout my music life, I've had strong opinions on this matter mm -hmm. that have changed. So, they, you know, I'm now hesitant to have strong opinions about these kind of things mm -hmm. because you know, I used to think, oh, I know so much of what I'm talking about. And then and then uh, I will have my opinion completely changed. Do you, do you know what I mean? By experience mm -hmm. and been like, oh, I was one of those guys who was a know-it-all at that time. Like now I just want to, uh, now I just am observing and trying to like do my best with the terrain as it comes. Mm -hmm. But I do have insights into into what you're talking about. Um, first of all, it's highly overrated, I think, to be, you know, like if somebody comes to, to you and says, you really, you know, to be successful and really known and all these things and the social media and all the usual things that everyone says, a lot of them are really mis misnomers. And you'll find that the artists that you really care about and spend the most money on 
and support the most and are the most interested in are not out there on social media bugging out all the time, okay? Right. People on social media bugging out on the time are known, really well known, for being on social media bugging out all the time. So is that what you want to be known for? Or do you want to be known for making good music and, and, and your music to be known and sought after? Those are two totally separate things and people get them mistaken as if they're the same things, right? It's like, you, they look at like, that, you, you know, they look, maybe sometimes some of those people go the, the, let's call it the crazy on social media way because they're trying to make it a living. And so they sacrifice a little bit of what they want artistically. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really give too much thought as I definitely think that trying to decide if what they're doing is is not really it's like looking away from the issue okay those okay. it doesn't matter what they're doing okay? okay people you will never control or change or nothing will ever present itself that is people doing the thing which you think is the right thing on mass okay it's just not going to happen it's what's important is what how are you doing it and how are the people around you such as the people you work with doing it right mm -hmm. and uh how you know it doesn't matter if an authority see a lot of people look to an authority like if i just do these things eventually an authority such as i don't know resident advisor or some mm -hmm. media whatever it is at the time you know like right. i was talking about loud magazine right they're an authority and in japan they gave me uh they put me out there positively okay so it was good for me it was great for me right so people want that they want authorities to put them out there positively so the people who follow that authority will be like oh, okay and to go and buy your music right but it's it's too many people bank on that it's like when i was in japan i wasn't banking on that that just happened okay that just happened because mm -hmm. i was and the reason why they why they did that is because japanese people know what they're talking about especially when it comes to dance music and art and they could tell that i was there was something going on with me and why are all these readers voting for this dude so for you, it's about finding the balance between substance and social media work. That would be a balanced approach? Well, social media to me is just an extension. Like, people always want to take something and then put it in its little thing and say, this is what it right. is and these are all the rules that apply to it, right? right. I, whereas I've never thought like that. Social media is just an extension of trying to show people what I'm doing, which I've always been doing since day one. Okay, since day one, I knew that if I don't tell people what I'm doing, they're not going to see it. And I think it's dope. And uh, if I'm going to be an artist and, and want people to see, it's just, my art is like a communication, okay? It's not made from me by myself. You know what I mean? I don't make art and then just look at it and go sick and then put it away, okay? That's, that doesn't <laughs> make sense to me, okay? Everything I do from drawing, to the dancing, to the music, is always a communication to the listener, or to the watcher, to the thing. I don't know what it is about. It's a, it's a kind of a raw communication, but 
you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't make sense without the other mm -hmm. channel for me. It's like right. a, it's like a voice for me. It's a voice. It's a know? language for sure. I mean, yeah. art is a language. There's grammatics about. There's grammar about all of that, right? Totally. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I'm saying something very specific. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm, right. you know. But I don't know. But it's still meant to be listened to and interpreted by another source. Right, like I'm always thinking that when I'm creating, so it's never just for myself. So, um, actually, people would be really surprised to know that I've released almost everything that I've finished, almost everything. So I don't, I'm not sitting on tons wow. of tracks, or I'm not, I don't like throw away a lot of tracks like some artists, you know. I don't really spend the time to re to finish something that I'm not serious about trying to get people to hear, right? So social media is simply a thing of that. You can do it in a cheesy way or you can do it in an authentic way, right? Uh, the cheesy way might meet, meet, reach more people, but it might not reach them in the same way. It might, they might just know it in passing and then forget about it because they're, they're, they know a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? It's right. like on TikTok, some girl gets 20 million views, right? You know what I'm saying? Right, for sure. And then they're like, they're a star for like a short time. It's like Andy Warhol said, you know, everybody's famous. Famous for 10, for 10 minutes, yeah. Right? So when Devil's yeah. Water happened, that was like a 15 minutes for me. It was like, you know what I mean? They put that in the, the it was, well, it wasn't, you know, like that, but it was, Lots of people, eyes on my music, lots of things on my music, and you know. No, but it was hard work. It's not the same yeah. as a teenage dancing on TikTok, you know? That was different. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. But I mean, the, the famous for 15 minutes, like the level right. of the mainstream right. thing. But I, but so if oh. I compared everything, if I compared everything I do to what happened with Devil's Water, then I would think, oh, I'm a failure, right? No, or every right. thing after that, because nothing I've done has been as successful that, in that way, right? That, but I don't that, see it in that way. I don't see it like that at all. I don't that, see numbers as, a, as, a, as an indication of success uh, unless it comes with, you know, it can be, it's data, right? But there's mm -hmm. other data too. Like maybe I reach only 10 people, but those 10 people are like, totally into it and play my records for years all the time that's kind of worth it much more than oh for sure there are records of yours just that know I still one play. thing and you know there yes. are records of yours that i still play today that that were maybe four or five years ago and some other new ones but there are some records that are six or seven years ago of yours that i still rock and everybody's like oh, yo what you, yo what's that i'm like hasn't come out I, I, I'm grinding like that. Sometimes I gotta protect. <laughs> Val, Val knows me. Like I, I, when I love music the way I love your music, I well, you do, protect it. You do what you do, man. You do it in your way. That's what's important. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people always hang on to these ideas that there's these right ways and wrong ways and all these rules and there's 10 easy steps and there's this and that. None of that shit is for real. None of those, you know, just look at what people have done that's it and if they have the ability to do that then they're worth listening to about how they did it and you can take that for what it's worth it might not even work for you 
The reason I ask the question though is because uh, I know there is a lot of people that are that are, that really have a message that really have hard work behind them that might not be very good uh, with with the rest of the package that today's scene um, have made it a necessity for them to 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 understand and 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 and, and use properly for them to get their hard work out right. Um, but that was just the the. the the reason of my question. They've got to be smart, man. They've got to be, uh, you know, that's the thing about this world, you know, is mm -hmm. uh, that you reap what, what you sow. So if you don't, you know, uh, sow anything, you don't reap anything. It's like you can make amazing work and, and but mm -hmm. you can't expect that the world is, because it's great, therefore there's some right mm -hmm. or some, you know, promise from life to make it famous that just not right. that's just not how it works man mm -hmm. you if you care about people knowing about it you have to tell some people about it and when when people know about it you have to be grateful for how many that is even if it's less than you know what you think you deserve or whatever it's like it doesn't even work like that it's just mm -hmm. all you can do is show your art and you be grateful that you can that you can do that but you shouldn't sit on your laurels you should definitely be showing your art actively right. and you'll find that if you're active about it and, and uh, have a kind of a positive approach to it and like a self-responsible approach to it you will find that people opportunities open to you it's when you're when you're like i'm bitter when i'm upset i'm because you know i should have this but i don't when you have that mentality mm -hmm. then then it just doesn't work for you okay you're gonna continue in the path that in that way you have to start on your own be grateful for what you do create and uh, and be try your best to be uh con I, w i don't want to say content because you know the drive and the hunger is uh, what drives so many artists and you know I, uh, content is not the right word don't be content but be grateful be mm -hmm. don't, don't look at it and say like man that artist over there they're worse than me and they have no talent and they have a million things and i only have of 1200 people on my soundcloud that sucks don't look at it like that okay look at it like there's people in the world and now they have nothing to do with me and i can't control what they do right. and and i have 1200 people that potentially will hear this thing and if it's sick enough and if it's dope enough maybe it will inspire them to tell some of their homies and uh you know we can get this thing popping that's the that is the way to look at it and once you're in that direction you can start um you know You know what I'm saying? Do you understand yeah, what it's for sure? Oh, a hundred percent. I just wanted yeah. I wanted you to to put it out in your own words. Because yeah, not, well, you know, because you, you have you have a career. That's what I, more or less, more or less, you know. But it doesn't mean that things aren't foul. Okay, it doesn't mean that the industry isn't full of uh, devilish people and that things aren't foul and that people won't uh, put a knife in your back and people won't take you for what they can and see you as a mark they will they will but that's life though again that's right? life man that's Why life. Not that, now that we've gotten into yeah. this super deep conversation i want to ask you something that i'm super okay. curious about because and i want to hear it from you even though i have had the opportunity to live in canada and i lifted you know 
Word. you know, uh, by myself. I want to ask, what is the culture like, the DJ culture like? Because hey, first of all, first of all, the DJ culture is one thing. The DJ community is another thing. Okay? Yeah, that's what I was going, the community. Okay. The community is, you know, not what people think it is. First of all, there is, I don't believe in community in the way people use the word community now, okay? You can't just take any subject matter and then everybody that does that is in a community. That's fucked up, okay? I don't have any attachment to another DJ. Even he lives down there. You know, we might be in the same community living wise, you know, when we live in the same community. That would make us more in the same community than if we both DJ. If we DJ, we're in a competition, okay? So if people if people tell you that they're in a community, it's some weird passive aggressive shit because they're always trying to move politics around. They're always trying to rise up in this fucking community oh. without, without, you know, presenting that they're competing, right? And oh. it's a very passive aggressive kind of thing. It's like, no, just compete with honor, okay? Ooh, nice. Compete Ooh. with honor and your skills and your talent and what you bring to the table. Stop trying to make it a social community. It's not, okay? We DJ, we're into the same thing, but we all come from completely different places and backgrounds, interests, wow. you know, things like that. I could care less what other DJs are doing in the community, but whatever. I care what <laughs> I'm doing. I care what so, I'm doing. And I care what my dance floor cares about, right? right? And I care about what the people who follow me and come wow. to me as customers because they're dancing on my floor. I care about what the club owner where I play cares about. I care about what the booking manager I work with or, you know, these people care about. That's my community, okay? Right. My community is the people around me that like what I do and uh, support what I do and... Uh, think it's cool and um and you know more or less uh, think i'm a nice guy that want to work with me those those people are my community okay i'm not attached to some people that hate me okay i'm fuck right. that i'm not in their community yeah, you don't need go, that go to the community center man and fucking do community shit <laughs> you no know, i don't know but i'm that, in music trying to put it out uh, for people who like music customers fans followers and people right dance music aficionados con con connoisseurs i put that out to the people and you know hope that they like it and uh i do my thing as a dj and i hope that it word gets around that i'm nice on the ones and twos and then booking people want to book me and then that's something i try to keep it like that relationships with other djs like if i have some personal beef with them because that's, you know, because they're fucking with me, because they're like, you know, mm. back, you know, trying to do some politics and stuff, which they do, which they do, right? Well, then that's some personal beef between me and them. That's just one man messing with another man, okay? And I just deal with it in that way. So, you know, it's not a, it's not even a thing that has to do with my DJing work, okay? They might be another DJ, and they might be in out in the field and they're talking smack or they're doing that thing and it, it costs me some gig or whatever. But 
you know, I'm not trying to concern myself with that as if that's a serious thing. That's that's like an amateur thing, man. That's amateur. Like you, people who do that, and and that actually decides whether I get the gig or not. Well, I don't really want to play for guys like that. You know what yeah. I mean? That's some amateur ass shit. Now, 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 yeah. now let's, let's music people. Okay? Let, let's flip a little. Let's flip a, a little bit. I want right. to. So many years of career. You mentioned that you started early, uh, 1980. 83, I started. I mean, right. 83, I I heard dance music, saw turntables, learned to break dance, was was interested in dancing and the music that went with it and the culture around it, and the, what happened in the clubs. Even though I was too young, I had because my teacher was a club DJ. Right. And uh, and I had an interest in him as a hero, as a mentor. Um, I had an idea, you know. And also, my dad, before he disappeared from my life, was a sign maker, wow. and he made a sign at a very famous club in my city, of one of the first gay clubs called Pals. And uh, and um, I went into that club, and later I would have a residency on, in that place. Well, it, when it was called Rumors and Hush. Okay, uh, Rumors is where I would play my first house music DJ gigs, and then Hush, I had a residency. So now those clubs are gone now, but that's in my hometown. But uh, but when I first saw that dance floor was when I was a breakdancing student, and I knew that Rod Mack went and played there, and you know his the people that he knew clubbed there, and uh, just looking around, you know, like I. I had fantasies. I would fantasize a lot about um, DJing in clubs and um, bringing the the sound and the style. The things that I first heard from those tapes from Rod Mack that that fused the kind of sounds that were going on at the time. Uh, I I've been always trying to recreate that kind of thing on a dance floor for people because it's just excellent and I've still been doing that and building on the vision working on that but it's exactly the same thing that turned me on in 1983 is what I'm doing now right now that's, that's exactly what I what I was going with the question yeah so many years of career how did, how how what would you say to to DJs nowadays younger DJs that are doing their thing How do how do you do? What, what what advice you would give to them to stay current? Because you are, a lot of us do follow you and respect you a lot. What would you tell them? Definitely don't worry about staying current. Okay. That's uh, cool. The first thing you, the first way you don't sound current is you fucking think about staying current all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you turn out some fucking bullshit shit with you know that sounds like just be into music, man, and be into what's happening in the clubs and dance and and listen and what turns you on. Don't be afraid to embrace it and learn about it. That's it. It's so simple. And uh, you know, like all these people that are like, I gotta play this genre and that genre and that genre, man. In Tokyo, when I lived there, none of the DJs I knew. Or even the big guys that would come in from Europe and the states that I would play gigs with, nobody talked like that. I learned not to talk like that. Like, like, 
I don't, talking about genres to me is so stupid. We all know we're doing a kind of fusion of house and techno that comes from the same thing that disco came from. We're all just fucking rocking clubs with beats, making people dance, DJing, making music for that environment. It's yeah, why do we yeah. gotta name it shit? And yeah, talk exactly. about the names and, and what's current and what's old. It's like, dude, I could play record, I could play a set right now that was just made from old shit and a crowd would be like, that's so cutting edge and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. dude, there's no, there's in dance music, there's nothing really new. It's just kind of new mm -hmm. ideas around the stuff that we've been doing, right? So um, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't try to do that. I try to sound unique and then I always sound current, okay? I try to sound unique. I try not to, I try to take things from the things that inspire me from all different places, all different genres or whatever. And I take those ideas and think, how does, can I put that into my sound and the thing that I've been doing since 1982 or 83, okay? How does that work into my vision? And then I put it in there. And it always sounds like me because it's just things going on my vision. So I never really thought about like, oh, it's got to sound more. But but then you know my tastes change, and I just let them change, because I'm a, I'm a you know I'm a fan of dance music too. So it changes me what I hear and what's hot and stuff. But it doesn't make me think, oh, now I only play music that sounds like this. That's crazy, you know. That's not fuck no way. You know what I mean? I have my sound that I've been working on. I know what it sounds like. And I'm always looking for things that go in it. And it can come from multiple genres. And I make music in exactly the same way, too. Right, because that goes sort of hand in hand with that. The question I wanted to ask you is um, in regards to trends. You know, a few years back, it was all about techno and dressing in black and being so techno. But now I feel like everybody is on the row minimal uh, boat which is a beautiful, beautiful, it's very interesting for me because I not like because that. it's yeah, a, I love it. I love Row Minimal I, and I love the story of it, you know, how they are rebuilding their scene uh, from uh, from what the Communist Party left and, and all that, that. I think it's a beautiful thing. Ha having said that, I think it's a genuine thing for them because they are living that experience themselves. And, and when somebody that is completely disconnected from that tries to make it just out of following a trend, it loses its impact a little bit. Yeah, but having having but said that, people are going to do that about everything. Every, right, every, right, 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 right. But how do you navigate that yourself? How do you navigate? It's sort of I similar. I navigate it by just listening to the things I like and then not right. the things I don't like and not worrying so much about where I'm looking. You know, I've heard some of those records and the minimal stuff, and Isn't I have cool. homies that are really into it. You know, uh, April Terry, who's an artist yeah. on my label. She's yeah, a homie of mine. Shout yeah, out. She's, she's putting some stuff. Uh, she's got a track coming out on a compilation called Illuminate the Night that's mm -hmm. like in that vein. But also, it also sounds like, I mean, it also is made from kind of 909 sharp, housey sounds and minimal techno. It's, it's all the same elements from different things, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, it's like, uh, I used to tell that to homies in Tokyo. I'd say because they were always so obsessed with acting like other places, Berlin or whatever. Right. You know? And same with same with uh, 
same with um, here in Canada. You know, there a lot of the people just this past couple of years, thankfully the trend is dying now, but you know, we're always like Bergheim, Berlin, and blah, 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 blah. And all my friends always wanted me to move to Berlin and they, you know, lots of people I know live there. It's like, I don't know, man. I never just been drawn to live there. And also, and also it's like, I don't know, I'm just not interested in doing what other people are doing. It's never been the thing. When I got into dance music, bro, barely anyone was into it, okay? Like, nobody, okay? The the media was trying to tell you breakdancing was out of style. And, you know, that just made me like it more, okay? And the, the, um, they, the, they became very, you know, it was in post-disco sucks era. Okay? Just okay. after disco sucks. So there's a real push that, you know, uh, pop music should be rock oriented, you know? And uh, there was like, there was a lot of kind of weird vibes around dance music at the time. And I remember before raving happened, you know, uh, being into the early house stuff that was going coming out of Chicago, like Mr. Fingers and, you know, just the kind of that sound and, uh, we, we didn't even really call it house totally yet at the time, you know, like there was just that post or I mean, pre, pre, how, pre naming it phase. Okay. Right. That's the phase of that I'm into. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's or, or that's the phase that birthed me. Okay. Right. Where, right. But that's versus everybody pretty much yeah 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 like but you know, not everybody is aware of that famous know? shit that was on the radio okay underground shit no one heard before okay uh fucking punk shit with drum machines okay yeah fucking you know like like that kind of you know like find it's like that uh old soul sonic force song um arthur baker produced right looking for the perfect beat, looking for the perfect beat. It's just all about beats and grooves and shit, right? Like, you know, I was into- It's a long record, by the way. Yeah, what, what? It's a really long record. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like they were just jamming to it, like. Yeah, yeah, right? And and it's like, it's they were just- not, They were not pretending, they were just like rocking it. I never got into it for separating stuff, okay? And when, And I saw a sampler, as a way, I mean, if you're going to be a good sampler, if you take, if you take sampling seriously, right? Because I heard that song, talking all that jazz from Stetsasonic, okay? And that was like how I think about sampling right there in that song, okay? And and sampling for me was like how I did Devil's Water, you know, I'm just looking for the thing that inspires me, and then flipping it into something totally different, right? Like. Like, uh, I'm not interested in if it's stealing somebody's thing or not. It's more of an underground thing, like more of a making the raw art for the reaction of it. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like, more of a po- like postmodern approach to like yeah. recycling. If you're going to yeah. be into it, if you're going to be into music creation like that, you can't yeah. be closed minded and you can't oh, be. Sure. You can't be like, I only listen to one genre of music. That's insane. Uh, right. This is my point. This is... Yeah, yeah. I feel like... Um, That's crazy. Yeah. I don't even think of genre. I just think of music and, you know, style. I'm more about style, you know? Like, I'm looking for the style I like, you know? Like, 
the, the vibe. I know it's crazy because a lot of people ask, like, for I, I'm, I'm an active DJ, and some, some of the times they're asking, oh, can you play? Um, I, I'm not into it, and, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but can you can you play this night melodic techno? And I'm like, I do not play like that. Like, yeah, of course. I, 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 the way I play, I play is yeah. The way if I play is I go to the that, Yeah, you know, if I can tell more than you what the crowd want to listen to. Right. Right. Exactly. If I go, yeah. if I go there, I, I go by the by the vibe. I could yes. play jazz. I could play dub techno. I go, yeah, you know. I, I always, if somebody say that to me, I said, "Yo, you should do it. You should. Do it. <laughs> you should do it, bro. Do not play yeah. like I could play house. You know, I read the crowd. We're old school. We look at the crowd. Yeah. You know, that's we get right. the vibe from them, and that's how we play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've always been into that vibe, so you know. Uh, I went down this kind of route towards house music and techno and whatever it is now, but but uh, I never stopped being into hip hop or stopped being a b boy or stopped. Like, who who like, is your favorite rapper? Another what? Who, who is your favorite rap or hip hop artist? Rakim the what, God. What are your favorites? Oh, Rakim. Rakim, yeah. Oh, of wow. Course. Yeah, yeah, Rakim is the best of all. Yeah. And also, I awesome. also think Nas is really great. Oh, come on! This guy, uh, dude, I mean, we already respect you, but to hear you say Nas, I mean... And Rakim, for me, Rakim is my boy. Rakim, I, I love Nas. Rakim is yeah. number one, always. Right. Did you see Did you see uh, this uh, little office concert that he gave? Amazing. By the way, NPR about, Tiny Disc. I've seen him in concert real real life. Oh wow. Oh buddy. Bro. I've been around before I was even making house records, I've been around the hip hop scene. Like right. I've, I've seen Biggie Smalls. I've seen like a lot of people, man. A lot of people. You yeah, saw Biggie Smalls? Yep. Wow. In a small club with like uh, maybe uh, less than a hundred people. 120 people, maybe? Before yeah, he was huge. Diego, yeah. Wow, insane. Wow, that's crazy. Great dancing with a bunch of Zulus and shit. Yeah, in like a circle. I was there. I was there to attend the, the, uh, it was in 1996. And I was there to attend the B-Boy Summit. And uh, me and some of the homies uh, went over there to check this party at a club. And Biggie was just, you know, he was, big at the time but not the biggest uh there was also there was like his woman too his girlfriend what was her name uh faith evans oh yeah or, or little kim. Faith evans. no it was little kim was first little kim little kim was first i see that you also reached 50 in the rank of uh, loud magazine in japan yeah that's right the top djs in japan they wow. do uh ranking in loud magazine which is like uh you know their equivalent of dj mag in in japan or mix mag or something like that it's their dance music magazine but um it's very japanese centric it's all in japanese obviously and it's distributed only in japan but the the population is so dense in japan and there's such a huge population there that the readership is actually like you know uh competitive with european dance music magazines like you know there was a lot of readership really big readership and once you got into the top 50 top djs in japan they would give you like even when you entered i think it was 
Yeah, like the top 25, right? Mm. They would give you your own monthly chart. So once I got broke into the top 25, I had my own monthly chart. So every issue of Loud Magazine, I had a chart in the back, you know? The DJs in the top, you know, in the top 10, they would have five or whatever, would have like big charts with their photos and top 10. But then once you broke into the top 25, they would let you have a smaller chart. I think it was like a top five, right? every month but that still was like pretty powerful like for that big of a readership just to see your name over and over and over in bi-monthly and and for a bunch i mean japan is chock full of of dj you know um home djs hobby djs so they're looking to see what these djs who are playing the clubs are playing and you know they right. sell records so and I could promote my own music from there, and I, it, it definitely helped. And the record shops were supportive. So there was a lot of things that worked in my favor in that way. And I got to uh, really thank Loud Magazine because there, there wasn't a lot of uh, foreigners in that list. This wasn't for any foreigner. This wasn't like just the favorite DJs of Japanese readers, no. This mm -hmm. was DJs that lived in Japan. These were like the the top DJs in Japan. So for everybody listening up, um, we have uh, somebody else joining us. His name is uh, is it uh, Chai Chai, who is uh, Renny's um, booking manager. Booking manager and yeah, um, my bookings. You're, you, he, he, he takes care of that and he's going to join us now That's uh, right. moving forward. My DJ bookings, um, yeah. Yeah, so the next question was um, regarding um, what is your uh, take in how uh, this COVID uh, situation is affecting the scene uh, in terms of like uh, you think it's a, it's a you know, maybe um, being good for creativity or is it bad for creativity? Um, you like the things that you are seeing, probably the, the streamings or sort of um, everything that's going on around. What is your your, your, your view on that? Mm, yeah, well, like everything, there's positive things and negative things. There's, uh, you know, um, as far as how it's affecting the electronic music kind of vibe, you know what I mean? I think, uh, well, first of, first of all, I did radio back in the day when I was in, uh, I didn't, I didn't go to college, but I used to volunteer at the college radio station, CFUV in Victoria. And, uh, we did the, the, uh, I want to say we did the first hip hop show there, but we didn't. It was like an older dude uh, who had a hip hop show there before and he would have us on. And then he introduced us to the people there and got us our own show. And uh, from then on, we were pretty much regular fixtures at CFUV for years. Uh, do because um, it was like mostly an, an indie rock, college rock type station. But of course, people, the students loved hip hop. So uh, we were around, we did a lot of the late night hip hop programming there and uh, shows and stuff like that, goofing off on the radio. So in any case, the streaming thing reminds me of that. It's a good opportunity to bring records that you want people to hear, uh, you know, like, 
if people are tuning into you as a DJ, uh, it's you have an opportunity to show them some music that might blow their mind, or you could play some mediocre bullshit and just think it's all about your image on the screen, or not. Right? Some DJs do that. Some DJs don't. You can you can make it cool if you wanted to. Right? So like recently, I did this thing for Genki Nishida and Adam Biggs. It was called Currents. So shouts out to them, and that was like a streaming thing. And I played lots of stuff upcoming from my new album that I'll talk about in a bit, and also uh, you know stuff from my label, stuff from that my homies were doing, stuff that I just thought was cool that people probably haven't heard. That part of the streaming scenario is dope, right? Mm -hmm. But trying to think of it as like a replacement for dancing and getting together as a you know, uh, in the real roots scenario of what house music and dance music is all about, trying to replace that with streaming is not going to work because uh, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Dance music doesn't make sense without the dancing and the, 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 and, and what the culture is. And, you know, I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned before in this interview or if it was part of the one part of the stuff that didn't get recorded, but, you know, I, I talked about how it goes so far back into, you know, ancient times for humanity. You know, it's like hardwired in our DNA to do this, to gather and dance to rhythmic music and, and like get in this kind of uh, hypnotic state together and get into the music and it's and leave our woes behind, as they say, or, or try to reach a higher state um with it's just all you know there's a million cliche metaphors and uh allegory that you can uh put into it subjectively but you get what i'm talking about it's a long time hardwired thing so to try to remove that from the from the formula of dance music and say okay now it's about this that's impossible it would lose its meaning uh it would fade out it, wow. it, it would fade out right like people just wouldn't stay interested in it they might be interested in it for a while but and they would do all, they would pump all kinds of advertising money and sponsorship and this and that into it but it, to hold people's attention uh dance music requires um the experience of it right the not cultural just, experience not just you know that's why the the music industry is always on a weird kind of war against dance music like even since disco sucks kind of vibe because they just it, it totally takes the control out of advertising you know and gives too much power to the dj because they can just decide what people are, are are dancing to in the moment they don't care about all the hype around it or the the cultural stigma it's attached to you know what i mean it's just the music in the moment. So that's very powerful. Like, uh, and that's why I'm interested in dance music. That's specifically why my craft, my chosen craft is dance music. So removing some of those kind of things from the equation and making it all about people engaging through their screen and stuff like that is on its own, it doesn't work. As a, as a, side thing it's cool like i like the streaming as like just like radio you know i like radio too i like yes yeah, st streaming definitely would never replace the vibe that you can create in a room i mean that that yeah. just will never happen yeah word life of course that's right 
and, and and DJs who think that are probably not good DJs. <laughs> so also another another aspect that we spoke about yesterday is about your favorite gear for you know for DJing you for DJing and for making music for making records. Oh yeah. Okay. So for making records for production, my number one chosen instrument is Reason. Okay, it used to be Propeller Heads Reason, now it's Reason Studios. Uh, uh, just since this new rev. So I'm on Reason 11 Suite, and that's uh, no longer Propeller Heads anymore. But I've been a fan of them since version one, when I was given a, a computer by a uh, record label who um, went out of business. Um, and, uh, you know, they owed me a little money left over from a record. This is in the 90s when, you know, we sold a lot of records. Uh, even small labels sold, uh, you know, not, a, you know, a, a more substantial amount of physical records. And uh, so they gave me a box of the leftover records and they also gave me their studio computer, which was a Mac G3, uh, a little older for the time. Um, But that's okay. I'm always using stuff that's old for the time. It doesn't matter to me. But it was a Mac G3. It had a Pro Tools card in it. This was in 2002, okay? Uh, and it had also Reason One installed in it. So, wow. um, yeah. So before that, I was totally hardware. I didn't even own a computer until 2002. I was totally all about rolling groove boxes and uh, the Yamaha RM1X and like workstations and just. Uh, stuff I could buy at the pawn shop that I would MIDI up to these workstations and you know uh, I would do my arrangements kind of semi-live you know my first stuff was all made like that then everything after 2002 is made in reason now sometimes with Pro Tools right and then I would sequence gear in Pro Tools but and and record audio in Pro Tools but yo now you can do all that in reason so I don't use anything but reason really for a DAW And then I have some other stuff like Harrison Mix Bus and uh, different things that I use for different scenarios. But basically, I'm always writing music and reason and hardware. That's my thing. Yeah. Sick. Beautiful. And, and for DJing, um, well, uh, you know, I've gone through the gamut of being totally vinyl. Um, I like Vestex turntables we were talking about last, last time. Um, I've had a couple pairs of techniques in my life, of course, but I love those. They're also dope turntables, but I'm kind of a kind of a weirdo. I like shit that other people don't use. I like um, technology. I like uh, small companies. I like things like that. So I've been Vestex since the 90s, basically. So I've had several models of Vestex. Currently, I have an older pair given to me by my brother-in-law of uh, Vestex PDX 2000s that I restored. And uh, they're, they're dope, I love them. So I'm just using one in my setup now, which is two CDJs. Because I'm not, I, I, I was on Tractor for a while using Dex with Tractor and uh, Serato before that for some years. But now I'm uh, just using CDJs for my gigs and vinyl if they have turntables. So, um, you know, just record box and turntables. So I have Pioneer CDJs, a 900 and a 2000, and a, uh, and a uh, Vestex PDX 2000. That's my DJ setup with a, with a uh, digital DJ mixer by Behringer. It's really, really nice. With some electrics 
Filter Factory EQ Killers on every channel. If, if you don't mind, I want to get a little bit, I wonder if Vintage. we can get a little bit into um, into your production philosophy. Sure. Um, do you have a way to go about starting a project? Like, do you have, like, a, 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 are you somebody that likes to set up a mood and then start by something, by noises? Or do you write first a, a couple chords? Or do you write the groove first? Do you have any preferred way to go about it? Um, not really. I mean, um, recently I have a lot of new instruments. I really like rack extensions, you know, that's like, a, a kind of a native format for a rack for the rack in reason. So you can, uh, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with reason? Okay. Yes. So, you know, the yes. instruments and effects load like rack instruments, right? right. You can flip them around. Flip around you see the wires. Yeah, yeah, just like hardware, okay? So, but for the past few years, you've been able to upgrade Reason by buying these instruments separately to, to this oh, thing. And third-party companies, yeah, and third-party companies have made them, right? And some like iconic VSTs and things have been made into these. Like I have, for example, an ozone rack extension. I have lots of rack extensions like really, really a lot. Like I own a, a lot, a lot, like the majority of the store maybe, right? Wow. And uh, and I've invested a lot into them, I'm into them. And um, now Reason also runs VSTs too, right? So, and it actually it has this kind of rack thing built into it that you load and then it loads the VST into the rack instrument. So you can flip that instrument around and wire sort of into the basics of the VST, like, you know, CV stuff and like, right. you know, obviously all the audio and the MIDI and stuff. So in know, any case, in any case- those first and to, to, to get, uh, is, that, is that your first yeah, thing to go? Yeah, well right now, because I have so many of those, sometimes I'll just start messing around with those, you know? Usually, right. Yeah, you know, I'll just start messing around with one of those. Mm. Until, you know, I'm like, damn, man, this shit is dope, man. Boom, mm. boom, boom, oh, yeah. And then I'll make something. Then I'll start building on that, you know, and that'll be the creation in the end. It used to be that I would get the idea and then put that down. But mm -hmm. I've kind of, um, I'm so, sometimes it is like that. I'll be out and about and get an idea or hear a sample or hear a thing that, I, you know, that I want to sample or a melody that inspires something I want to play, whatever. Then I'll come in and do that, knock that out. I can knock that out easy. And then I'll start, you know, it, it can come from anywhere. I mean, I make beats like, I make tracks like all the time. So, you know, it could come just from sitting down in my studio, which is inspiring because it's basically better than any studio I've ever had in my life or dreamt of. So I can sit down in here, smoke a doobie, look around. It's hard not to get inspired to just make music. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like that's the Especially way. I you already build the the environment. Once you get in in there, you're already right. basically in the zone. Yeah. And I just spend time. You know, I try not to worry about it too much. I try just to be in the flow of it. If I'm not in the writing music flow, I just do work on my label. I do, right. you know, do spend time with my family, spend, you know, other things. And right. then when it's time to create, my family knows, you know, I lock myself down, man. I get to work, 
and they all understand me. So I'm lucky to have that environment, which is inspiring too. So, you know, uh, it's, I'm, I'm older now, you know, I'm not uh, the young, uh, when I was oh. younger, it was more difficult to get this shit done. Now I just am like, wow, man, I got everything I could want, you know, like, I don't have the newest of the new, but I, I could definitely do a lot more than I used to just dream about when I was, you know, uh, younger. So I've caught up to my dreams a long time ago. Sweet, you know? for you, man. Yeah, like, wow, you know, when I was statement. younger, when I was younger, my big dream was just to put a, a house record out. Like, I thought that was so crazy. Like, nobody in my hometown had ever done that, okay? Like, there was rappers, I was a rapper. We put out some tapes, we done stings. And we, you know, some of us like house music and we knew it, what was popping in Chicago and New York and, you know, stuff. But nobody in my hometown had made a house record. So I set about to do that, so I did that, right? right. Uh, my man Noah Pred, he was just yeah. a teenager. I know. Before he was even known as an artist, he put my record out. He put his rap first record out at the same time. Put our was, record out. Was it a, a Thoughtless? Thought, uh, no. This is before huh? Thoughtless. Okay. This is before Thoughtless, way before Thoughtless, bro. This label was called Impeccable. Impeccable. And it only put out two records, okay? And uh, he just sunk, you know, he was a teenager at the time, man. But, you know, he we, he was just inspired by the local rave scene and what was popping. He had booked me to play a rave on Salt Spring Island. That's where he was living. It's like a small island near the... Victoria where I'm from and uh, we just I came in DJ that rave bonded with him and his parents who uh, who are both deceased now rest rest in peace mm -hmm. to both of them and uh, Noah Noah went on to put both our first records out under a label impeccable okay I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna check it out yeah man my first record was called house dot work dot Okay? And his first record was called The Sci-Fi Witch Doctor. That was his alias <laughs> back then, okay? And then- Sci-Fi Witch Doctor. Yeah, and then we both got small record deals out of this. Like, we put these records out and then another label uh, saw, the label I was talking about earlier with the computer, uh, right. saw our work and just signed us and they were in California, right? So they they just, they, they thought, oh yeah, we'll do some records with these guys. So They're let me people. ask you something. Uh, Renee Foster, Noah Pred, and then he went on to do Thoughtless after, way right. after that. And, yeah, but but you and, and also what's his name? Uh, J Tripwire, same age, same uh, era, same uh, uh J, J Tripwire's a little younger than me, he's maybe okay. Noah's age, maybe Noah Pred's age, and uh, um. Uh, I'm 48, so I don't know. I know they're all in their 40s, but but Noah, I don't know how. Noah might even be. No, 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 man. He was like, I can't. I can't even speculate now, man. He's younger though. Hey, hey Rainy, a, a question for you. What are some of your biggest musical influences? Like, what what are your musical influences? You think? Because I, I remember you talking about uh, new wave. Oh yeah, man, new wave music was a big influence on me when I was younger, you know? Uh, um, and that was totally normal for a b-boy when I was younger, was being into new wave music, you know? Being being into um, cool 
punk rock with drum machines. I loved Blondie. I loved Devo. I loved uh, Flock of Seagulls, OMD, synthesizers, beats, you know. That's what I was saying is like a lot of that Detroit vibe that's in my music. The reason why a lot of Detroit people vibe with my music and why I could release with Soiree Records and then uh, later with many other Detroit labels and that kind of pad sound that people associate with Detroit techno, you know, those those pads are really like from uh, new wave music. And, and a lot of people in Detroit, black and white people, loved new wave music back in the day. Like a lot of my homies in Detroit and the guys I do records with love new wave music. You know what I mean? Gary Newman and uh, I mean, Kraftwerk, of course, obviously. And, uh, you know, you can hear that in the in the sound. It's like, it's more of an aesthetic than a genre, you know? New romantic, it's romantic. That romantic synth, you can hear it now in, in uh, what they call melodic house or melodic techno, which is just the, the new versions of those things, which is really the same things, you know? Just new artists continue to do this, but wow. it's, it's really the same thing. It's coming from like new wave and new romantic and then Detroit techno and et cetera and et cetera. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, kind of totally. the vibe of music that I'm down with, that I'm into. Totally. Yeah. That's great, especially because you've been there, like we said, since, since the inception of this movement, right? Of, of you know, of this phenomenon that we, yes. we, we are um I've been watching enjoying. it and inspired by different right. things since then, yeah. And uh, what, what is your, like, how do you stay, how do you, I don't want to, like, how do you stay, it's not relevant, but how do you, what are you, oh, did on, 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 on longevity? Yeah, yeah, did this question get cut off last time? Man, that was a good one, right? That was a very good one. This one, I'll try to answer it similarly. Just, you know, I don't worry about being relevant. If you're worrying about being relevant, then, you know, that then, then what you do is going to be irrelevant in the era next. It's just worry about being unique. That's it. Yeah, just be unique, be yourself and uh, do what you love, make music you love. Like, I listen to music, my own music all the time. And some artists, they tell me, I never listen to my own music. I'm like, dude, if you don't listen to your own music and play your own music, then, you know, you know, not everybody, this isn't for everybody, because everyone's different, but, you know, you should try to make it better so you want to listen to it. You know what I mean? I listen to it all the time. It's like my favorite shit. If it wasn't, I would make it better. Yeah, I feel you. I, I play my shit. I listen to it. I listen to other people's music too, but I listen to my music and other people's music. I listen to my own music in the car. I'm about to put out this new album, for example. Okay, called tell Rennie us about Foster. it. Why don't you tell yeah. us about it? Rennie Foster, Rennie Foster. It's coming out on RF. Ten new tracks drops August 17th. Okay, August 17th. And it's, uh, it's all new tracks nobody's ever heard. One of them has a rapper on it, Justin Brave. He's a legend in this area of my neck of the woods. Also, ten, they're all house techno tracks, even the one with the rapper. It's called Rennie Foster, Rennie Foster. The artwork is done by Jason Vickers, AKA Bink from By Any Means Crew, Bam Crew Seattle, who is a graffiti artist I've been writing with since I was a young kid. 
and the crew that I've been down with since I was a young kid is going to be everywhere. Spotify, uh, iTunes, Beatport, TrackSource, all the places, Bandcamp, everywhere. And uh, yes, you got to check it out. It's 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 basically all the shit I'm talking about in an album, okay? That's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, Rainy, why don't you introduce us to Ty a little bit? Tell us about a little bit about his story and a little bit about... Well, Ty, Ty was going to Capilano College for music business, right? Is that correct, yeah. sir? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, he was going to Capilano College for music business. I reached out to... I reached out to you. No, he reached out to me because I mm -hmm. put a post up. Yeah, I've had a couple other interns. I've had interns from Nimbus and stuff before, but I had, you know, uh, uh, he reached out to me and said, I want to be an intern for you. So I said, okay. So uh, he did half his practicum with me. And then, uh, you know, I, I graded him. I made, I graded him hard, made sure he did, did, uh, did his work. But he helped me, you know, he helped me with a lot of the logistics of the label and, you know, like getting my SOCAN stuff in order and my, uh, you know, everything up to snuff, all the uploading, downloading, copy, pasting, all that shit. He came in and helped me do that and learned a lot about my label. And, and you know, uh, it turns out he was going to, he was also did the other half of his practicum with a booking agency who was doing festival things yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. That was my first one. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, so yeah, I did the label and then um, another part of it was a self-guided, um, self-guided practicum and that was where i started kind of building all the stuff uh for uh front left uh, artist agency yeah so yeah. he used his practicum with me you know i showed him about my bookings and he that's what he'd been learning about at the booking agency where he's working at and you know he wants to start his own booking agency you know so i'm like yeah i was like his first client mm -hmm. yeah and so he's Beautiful. got a couple of guys that he's working with now it's a very tight circle this is only like last year this is only like yeah, it's two years now two was, years uh, ago yeah, yeah it was two like years ago two, two years like a week ago two years a week ago yeah so you know since then he's booked me into shambhala for a really nice fee probably you know uh a, a, a good fee for uh for this area definitely and he's uh he's he's done a couple other really notable bookings for me and um Small ones, and uh, we've been having a good time. He's been learning the biz from the label standpoint. Now he has a nut. Now he got his own intern through that, through that uh, uh, program, program. Yeah. and oh, really? that intern is in the mix with us too, and he's doing a lot of good work for the label as wow. well. Mm. His yeah, name's David. So that, that's it, very nice of hey, you man. to actually take people in, you know, to to, to, want to teach them. Hell yeah, we do. We, do, we you know. You know, not everybody. It's not like everyone. No, but, no, no. You know, if if we vibe together, if it's mm -hmm. if it's uh, if we all have the same kind of mindset and priorities and right. realistic and down to earth and not like, you know, oh, you know, tripping out and right. delusions of grandeur, whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, but in the same token, not everybody would would just, uh, you know what I mean be that open, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's oh, yeah. got a lot of value that you do um, uh, do these kinds of things. I have a good uh, instinct. I have good instincts about yeah. people. So, you know, I can tell. Yeah, David's, and, and, David's and, great too. He's really good. Yep, yep. yep. Shouts out yeah. to David for mm -hmm. sure. It's as soon as people are, you know, I 
people know people who know me know you know right. uh, um, I I keep my circle tight but the people that I work with you know uh, we, we have a really good relationship yeah that's the way to go man you know yeah. quality over quantity yes yes um, we've had a beautiful time with you man I, I wish we could Thank keep you, on man. talking I really wish we could keep on talking with you because super interesting super um, unique angles on uh, every question that we threw at you um, but we gotta we gotta wrap it up all right bro thank you very much man hey man thank you thank you so much like i already said with the thai um situation it's so nice of you to actually support us and being kind enough to give us to help us kick off this this humble project of 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 ours um right man you know moving forward any ivan every anything you want to add brother you sure like just like i said um for for me since i've been uh uh For a very long time, I've been a fan of your music. I, I think you, I mentioned man. that a few times. I still follow. I follow your music. I follow your label. I get thank you. By the way, I get a lot of promos. I was I was checking out my promos today, and I got some good music on there too. Oh yeah, you, you but like that one, very that, That's the the artist side of Rennie Foster. Skyla J. Let's shout her out. Skyla J. and Oz, man, mm-hmm. reach for you. Out right, right that's, now. That's right. That's the right. Skyla yeah. J. and Oz, and yep. they're on like. Five or six uh, tracks on that same EP. So remixes, it, yeah, the right. two originals and a bunch of remixes from right. all and from British Columbia, Canada. And you see, different. Everybody's putting their own touch on their remixes. Beautiful. That's right. That's right. But I want to focus, and what I really want to say is that we'll get you on a remix, Ivan. Oh yeah, let's do it. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to say something that is important to me. Very important. We we, we we really liked your music, we really liked you as an artist, but now we, we, we even love you more because we now know your, your background and you know where you're coming from. And like exactly. I said the other day, there's no gimmicks. You know, you're real. Thank I mean, you, man. <laughs> you're real. And, and I love the fact that you came from hip hop and then you were influenced by urban art like graffiti and, and, and you built into this amazing artist that you are, man. And we're- Thank just, you, man. Truly happy to to have you in this in this first episode of discussions because you. you know our podcast has been already kicking it for quite some time, but we wanted to have this, but we wanted to make it special. And thank you for your time. I mean, no one does that for you. I mean, thank you very much. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you uh, having interest in what I'm doing, man, and helping me uh, spread the word. Thank you. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, I want to okay. say um, so that everybody hears this before we let go. Um, thank you all for being mm-hmm. on this show today. We are uh, doing it for the love of music. That is the only reason why we do it. No other reason. We just love music and support amazing music from great artists. And you'll you'll see here people that you know that are from Canada, from Argentina, from India, from wherever they're from. As long as they do it for the right reasons, rest assured that we'll have them here. 